Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac Wayne heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parishat as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings, this is Parisha, your host of Windows in Your Mind, a journey through life and cosmos that may or may not be consciously aware of or subconsciously aware of, all the same happening. I give great appreciation to our LOA network and to the fantastic and magnificent work of Jules Johnson. So as we move into what's happening with me and where we're going, I love to have this hour with you so that we can discuss a whole lot of things that has been going on over the last two and a half months. We have come to a time to where people, uh, it's exciting time for me, because people are asking questions that are based on the fact that there's this inner seeker in them now that that wants more than just the light fandangle of a, of a brush-off answer or maybe even just a, a pitiful excuse for something somebody really doesn't know how to answer. And everybody is aware that something is going on, that somewhere deep inside them, and not in a negative way, but in a very questioning way, that something is going on. Yes, there is something going on, and very much so, and that we, each of us, are individually connected, and a part of that is an absolute. So as we travel, like over these last six weeks or better, more like maybe eight weeks or 12 weeks now for me, I've been going to one state to another, east, west, north, and south, in the United States in a couple of offshore visits with people, indigenous people, and people of very scientifically based research and activity. And everybody, whether it be on the scientific side, which I consider left brain or kind of the logic part of us, and the creative, more intuitive part of us, which is the spiritual part of us, the right brain, whichever side we're working on with that, that medium between the two, is the crossing over and that's the rainbow path. And for me, that has been something that has just begun to be so pronounced and so very, very real and active in everyone's life. You know, when you've been around as long as I have, you go through these phases to where I know when I started out, I spoke to things that were extreme to people, even metaphysical and spiritual seeking people. And so I had to find a way to communicate without actually confusing or maybe even turning people off. So in doing that, I have explored both the scientific as well as the spiritual information and background of things. I find that our beautiful research in the scientific world has actually allowed us to have a more intelligent relationship with God or whatever your sacred name for that intelligence is. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't make it less than. In fact, it empowers it. So when we're actually reading now, we're no longer held to someone else's interpretation of scriptures. 
we can actually take the Bible, in particular parts of the Bible that maybe we couldn't understand or couldn't actually put into words. And this would be the Gita and any other of our, our beautiful records of scriptures. That when we read some of it in today's world, people would say, well, it just seemed to be so extreme or just unreal, just didn't make any sense. Well, now through most of what we're learning through our sciences, makes very good sense. Not only good sense to understand, but a way that it's actively a part of what we're doing. And it becomes to have answers for us. And that's, that's what I love about what I do. So in my many weeks of travel now and meeting just, oh, thousands upon thousands of people, just constantly seeing the common ground of what we stand on as humanity. Everyone has their questions, everyone has a particular agenda, but when that's all taken care of, there's that ultimate moment when they realize that what they're really seeking is to know for sure, to be certain, and to trust that there is God with it. And I love that because I talk to people of so many different cultures and so many different perspectives of how that can be and how they do it. And I love the fact that the particular ones I work with don't try to own it and make someone else's wrong because it's different than theirs. I really don't have tolerance or patience for that. And most often run into some kind of mix with that so I realize maybe karmically I'm not handling it as well as I need to. But I just don't want to even be bothered or give time to people who need to make their particular perspective the one and only. And it's like that, first off, you're not well educated to think that, and there's no way that a, a very open-minded person can accept that. So when we, going around, I realize, that especially in the communities I'm in, that involves many, many different languages. And you know, quite openly I say to you, not, I do not understand all of them. I don't speak all of those languages. So then it actually pushes us, all of us, not just me, but them, into a place to where we have to be more intuitive than of the words. And that makes so much more sense to me. Because the things that we're doing and the experiences that we're having there is no language for that in words. So that by the time you find yourself trying to use your, your knowledge of language and words to express it and put it into some uh, level of understanding for a person, you feel frustrated and you realize that you really didn't deliver it in the way that they will understand the magnitude or the extent of what you're trying to say. And so working with the people I work with over the ceremonial season, and I so appreciate all of you who've been communicating with me and, and maintaining some contact through Facebook, and I deeply want to give a point of acknowledgement to the two, three people who actually travel with me that uh, take care of making sure that that we do send communications out. And uh, for those of you who question, do I really answer these things myself? Yes, sometimes I categorically put people of a particular uh, question, which means many asking the same question maybe in a different way. I will send a response out so that it takes care of that question. And then for some of you, there's those very individual questions and I always relate to them. I'm not always the one texting it or putting it in print because I'll say what I want to say and then my assistants will type it in and send it out. But you are being responded to and that's greatly important to me. So anyway, over this tracking of across the world that I've been doing over these 12 weeks or so, I've been actually finding how very much we are of a planetary consciousness and that our questions, even regardless of the differences of our language, is pretty much the same. What I find is that some people are still dealing very, very heavy with attachment and actually using those attachments to 
be the very base of their victim consciousness. And when we begin to abstain from those attachments, we realize that that then will come to relationships as well as other addictive things that we have in our life. And so I find very much that I'm getting questions and sometimes they're pretty tedious ground to walk on to where married couples, you know, someone married to someone who totally opposes all of the kind of, you know, outreach of the stuff we study. And, you know, they feel that they're not in sync with this person and, you know, inevitably the question comes with the responsibility of trying to put that on me to make the decision of whether they stay in the relationship or not. It's like, oh, I'm much too old to fall for that, so that, that's not a game I get involved in. But that if we're, if we're at all in tune with what we're actually reading and understanding of the sciences as well as the great value of the spirituality, then we would know that love, you know, we resonate to love. No matter how much we have tried to be taught that there are the devils and there are the hells and there are all these horrible things out there, all I can say to you is none of that is a threat to my God. Okay? And so when you put all of that together and you bring your questions to the point of love, okay, there has to be an inclusion of love of thyself. You have to begin to ask that question in relationship to the fact that the question could only arise out of, of a, a nature of something that is not allowing you to feel loved, respected, or maybe even abused, you know. So the basis of that question automatically lets you know there's more there that you need to really be looking at, not asking someone else to make a decision for you. But the decision must come from you, and it must be one of loving yourself, of caring and respecting yourself. There's a lot of profound truth to you have to teach people how to treat you doesn't mean you have to be rude or offensive or aggressive in it, but you can very, very politely say to people, I do not want you to talk to me like that. I'm not open to you uh, saying that to me. You know, I, If you can explain yourself in a manner of which I can grasp and understand, I will be more than happy to listen, but I am not tolerant of that disrespect or abuse. And if you're not getting response from that, don't sell yourself out, beloveds. Don't turn out to be as nasty or take on the very mask of that which you're talking to. Don't become abusive. Don't become irrational yourself. So basically, if you're not getting results with that, then I would say to you go to higher ground. What do I mean by that? Well, then you're going to have to make some decisions. So you sit down and you work with somebody, if there's someone close, or get a system or a process that you've learned to where you take the charge off of your emotional reaction to those things and actually get to the core of what the situation is. And I'm finding that all over the world, people are trying to say that for some reason or another, it's wrong where they're at and that they're not making more progress because of Beloveds, that's blaming. And how does blame, you know, fall into self-confidence and self-awareness? As long as you need to blame something and it's outside you, you can't control it. There's no way you're going to change it. And obviously you're putting on another person a reality that they may not share with you. You know, some of the facts over the years is I'll find out that people are having these tremendous emotional buttons in a relationship. And when I talk to the, you know, the other partner or person involved, they're totally different place. They, you know, they're not having any of that reaction. They're not even seeing it or remembering it in such a way. And it's all about the person themselves and how they're actually building this particular story about it, Okay. So I, when I travel that, I realize that as we're moving, I watch it, and especially dealing with the various languages and the cultures of which I work, I realize that when we go into intuitive mind, 
and we communicate through intuitive awareness of what each of us is conveying and you know broadcasting to the other they're such rounded in full awareness there's such a level of understanding and there's obviously then such an abundant acceptance it it's there's no need to defend or justify yourself there's no need to judge or take a position on something you're simply in the intuitive mind actually just observing the thought process or a process itself of what another person's doing so a lot of the information i've been working with and sharing and actually asking people to read and get involved in reading i'm i'm not of the particular level i i do oral teachings but i find that a lot of people who have gone through school and educated through books and stuff maybe not using all that the books gave them but i do bring them back to certain books and have them read them several times that helps them understand extended thought okay and and realizing that how we talk especially a logical person like i have so many people that will say i don't want that heady stuff i don't want all that science stuff it's too much of the head okay only if you see it that way if it's actually helping you understand an outcome to something you are thinking doing or so on then i don't know why we need to consider that the head stuff it's actually the feeling stuff it helps us understand the actual mechanism of that particular emotion or that reaction and then when we go into applying that to our spiritualness okay there are those days when something is not going according to whatever it is you believe that it should be doing you're going to doubt your spirituality you know the thing in the evolution of humanity we even doubt god and that we've gone through these various worlds of evolution to where we've put god everywhere but within ourselves so we started with animals back in the first world which allowed us to just be the experience of god and then we had to go through all of these places of where we were relocating that coming back today to the reality that science is saying it's within and that we're interconnected to everything i can remember 50 years ago talking to a group of beautiful people and they were very well read people of many you know wonderful powerful books of metaphysical studies in that and when i had used which i do most often speak of our interconnectedness they were a snobby group and did not like the fact that they were being categorized with those others and i just watched that it's like as much as you think you know this is how you're acting this is how you're taking that this is how you're dealing with that and you didn't don't want to be associated with those people you know it's like the interconnectedness says like it or not believe it or not it is so and so basically the communications that we use we have to observe you know the whole thing of the observer like amongst my people and the spiritual basis of how as indigenous people we move about we're not a talkative people i realize when i am with the indigenous families that i work with we don't do a lot of jabber and chatter like i said it's more or less on an intuitive awareness of each other and we when there is an experience through ceremony we don't sit and discuss it and try to describe it we all felt it we all have our our experience from it and it's a shared one that we all just realize we don't have to talk about it and then we come to people who you know it when i go into what we call inner tribal activities to where people from all different communities are together they're not looking at each other 
and putting in caste systems, at least not the learned ones. And then you'll have the arrogant ones that come in that want to be in charge of everybody or whatever, then you know they start trying to pick apart or invalidate somebody else's way because it's not the same as ours. But in that uh, presence, that awareness of presence, you don't, you don't give any importance to that. Everybody just looks at that that is in awareness, that understands through that awareness this person is confused and this person and themselves have to take care of that. So there's no need to fix them. Or, you know, I know that chiefs and sometimes the elders have to deal with a situation if a person becomes extremely aggressive and disruptive. But it's always done in kindness and not still not making them wrong, just simply saying, here is not the place and time for this. So when we begin to really explore what our spirituality is about, we must be open. It does not mean if you're a yogi that you now have to become a native person or if you're a native spiritual seeking person that you have to become a yogi or, or a this or a that. But I love the roundedness of knowing all of the different reflections. And the more of that you know, then you begin to be at peace with the common ground that they all share. And that comes back to the word love. And a lot of what I've explored with the ceremonies and all of the activities I've been involved with over these months is realizing that the people in the ceremony have a clear perception of what love is. And then you have, you know, the people who will come to actually ask for healings or looking and seeking for a solution that they feel they can't have unless the ceremony can give it to them. Even when the ceremony does the healing, it comes to a weaker base or, or doesn't do the full extent of what they want and they don't see it as themselves. They always see it as something not being adequate around them or not enough for them or whatever. And it's like, I guess I, I come to a place where I don't know how to talk to it anymore because once you've been in the kind of environment of where I spend these weeks to where the intuition that of communication that we're having, none of that's present. You know what I mean? If, if I'm viewing another person who is exploring some emotional reaction to something or whatever, whatever, I just know I'm just viewing it. I don't, I don't have to get involved in doing anything about it. Just respect it and allow that person to deal with it and take care of it. And then when there are those who are expecting someone else to do that for them, I don't care how much you try to do that for them, it's never going to be enough. And I do watch sometimes that there are beloveds who will actually do readings and stuff and actually straight out tell the person, you know, this is what you need to do in that. And I look at the aura as they're talking, she's like, this person's not going to go do that. You know, and so if, if, we, if we have to be aware that if we're actually asking someone else to make that decision for us or to be the bottom line to something that we know needs to be done. I trust this with my whole being. You already know what that is. You know, all you're really seeking is maybe validation. I mean, maybe at this point actually just wanting to hear somebody else see it. So for me, it's like at this point, I, with all the ceremonies and everything that's going on, and most everybody I'm talking to is saying, what's really happening? Well, we have entered in to that gateway to a whole other world. You know, in my teachings and the way our people see it, we started in the first world and now we've moved from the fifth world. Some people say we're in the fifth world, other people say we're in the sixth world. Wherever you want to see that, what we're trying to explain is that there is an evolutionary cycle that we have completed and now we've moved to another. 
Well, we are coming to be actually this extraordinary science fiction person. We are becoming and evolving to that. And there are still the conservatives that want to make that less impactful or less drastic or whatever the many words are. And so along the track you get them and when they start being a part of the ceremony and the teachings and that, you know, I watch how they just kind of sit there with their mouths open for a while because sometimes it's so far out from the reach that they've had that they really aren't able to put it, put the pieces together. And so then it's like what we do most of the time is I like the ceremonies to where it's by invitation only and those who are invited are those who can actually understand what's going on. And when you have what I consider the newbies, you know, they have 10 million questions and no matter what you say, unless you start from the beginning, which takes an extraordinary amount of time, and you try to give them these remnant answers, it's not going to work. And then you send them away with disbelief or confusion and frustration. So it's like at this point, just working with the people I'm working with, just having the awareness of what's going on with the planet itself. Yes, humanity and all life is evolving, but pay attention to the fact that what's above and what's below us, the earth and sky, is in that evolutionary track with us. And we're not going to go into doom and gloom and all of the fear of cataclysmic change and everything that people do go through. But yes, you know, very recently talking to a group of scientists that deal with nothing but volcanoes, they're aware that the Earth's volcanoes have become networking. They, they realize there is a definitely a transmitting and a networking that's going on with all of them. Even ones that they have considered very still or inactive for a very long period of time. So then we know that that particular level of blood flow through the mother is bringing about new birth. The same if a mother is getting ready to birth her child. Now, what I don't appreciate is people who believe that that's because we've been bad. Okay, every world has had to go with the flow of the evolutionary changes and cycles of the planet itself. Now, are there things we could have done better or with a little bit more consideration or an awareness of long-range effects? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're not going to tag that with what's happening. We're in an evolutionary cycle. And with that, hopefully, we will learn that we can do things better and be willing to do that as we evolve and flow and get more involved with both feet into the cycle change. But our weather is changing, so are the water levels, so is the, the sea life, or what I would consider water beings. There's a tremendous amount of unseen activity because people have not developed the ability, the optic brain ability to conceive and be aware of certain levels of frequency and energy that's present, even though you would see it as invisible. And, you know, not necessarily do you have to see it then. I would say allow yourself to have perspective. Do you, are you aware? Do you feel that something is present? Because we are definitely having a lot of that communication and a lot of other dimensional influences. And what scientists are becoming aware of is what we are calling parallel timelines, okay, and how they're starting to kind of cross over and merge for a while and undo the separation. So we're seeing all of that, and there's different theories of why that's happening, okay? But in the indigenous prophecies, we understand that those threads, you know, we consider that the weaving of spider mother in the universe, that that weaving are those threads, time cycles and so forth, are very natural and always present. We don't see them particularly for whatever our reason, but they're there, okay? And now we're becoming aware that there are 
other frequency and life forms, you know, and I, th I think the studies that we've been doing on Mars has helped people come to understand that as we're sending our probes and stuff out into space, what we're seeking is to find at what frequency level the life form in that particular environment could be expressing itself or having exchange. We're also, through technology, actually having the ability to see what my elders and what our people talk about all the time, which is other beings. So we can actually put a room together, which we would call a hot room, and have all kinds of technical gadgets in it that actually can perceive, measure, interpret, and do a whole lot of things with different energy and frequencies. And then you become aware that there's entities you know, and then, then the question comes up, well, are these dead people? Are these, you know, okay, these are people who no longer have bodies, and they're also people who never had a body. So, you know, we're, we're coming to where, where is your mind, and can you open yourself to actually begin to explore things at that point? And I think those who are reading the more in-depth research of quantum physics and physics as well as biology and chemistry. You're beginning in electricity. Like recently, I spent time with a young man who's had his total awakening through the study of electricity, and it, it was so practical it made sense. You know, his whole pursuit was realizing that we're constantly surrounding and, and being penetrated by radio waves. So we're actually receiving and constantly transmitting as well as receiving different data and trans but why you know, why aren't we not thinking it? It's like well we can. That's called, you know, being in mindfulness. Or you can not do it by just being not mindful of it. Do you know what I mean? So basically there's so many different things that's coming through that people are finding it brings them to an awakening of seeing a much bigger picture than just being a body. And that be a reality of what we truly are. We are energy and life is that energy. And we are given definitely communications with whatever you consider a soul or an observer. And that helps you then understand the divine eternal connection of what we are and how we will go forth with that so you're you're just coming into you know a place to where science can validate that if you're a skeptic and you don't want to hear that and you just can't come that far that's okay the whole thing then is for you to be where you're the most peaceful be peaceful with it like dear you know in all of the different ceremonies and the sun dances and the many all the ceremonies have some form of activity and dance. Okay, and the sun dance being one that obviously pretty much, and, and there's various different ways that people do that as well. But the point is it's an activity as well as a contemplation. And when you get so wrapped up in that, and when you step outside of time and you're not on the clock and you're not in any kind of mathematical measure and you're not doing any of the things that keeps you locked into time and space. <laughs> the extraordinary, I didn't even know a word. Extraordinary hits me right now, but I don't even know the word that could describe the magnitude or, or the impact of what we truly can experience. And we, I'm not involved in any ceremonies that do drugs or need hallucinogens to acquire these levels. Never have I needed that. So basically, you know, we're not drinking anything and we're not smoking anything and, you know, we're not in any way taking in anything that would have to do with hallucinogen effect. You don't have to. You really don't have to. So basically in the ceremony, you know, the, the observations of which we do or the practices is that we do very much control the kind of food we're putting into the body, if at all. I mean, food takes a tremendous amount of energy to assimilate and has its own distractions. 
So many times it's just the minimum if any food is taken, but you're not going hungry. I can't say then the experience is dealing with hunger. No, there isn't. In fact, until somebody actually brings the food forward and puts it before you, you haven't even thought about it. And the water, the same way. You know, there is a definite concern with some people you know, that the hydration situation is very important, so they they really persist in making sure that water's there. And they, there's many of the people I work with who believe that until you have the buoyancy and the hydration, you're not actually allowing the frequencies to download what they can. So, you know, I listen to all of this. I work with it. I appreciate everybody's stuff, and I just... I just allow myself to be observing. In observing, if if I'm in the ceremony, if I'm a part of a ceremony, I'm going to just honor whatever that is. I, I don't need to go trying to make somebody do it my way. You know, and with everyone that I work with, they're aware of that, that, you know, by this time I've learned the what's and the what for's, so it's a matter of just moving into place, okay? But in some cases, if I see something that looks different, I realize that from season to season, there could be changes that need to be acknowledged. And I ask. And then in that, I just allow the rest of it to unfold. So when you, you have particulars, and that, you know, when I hear people saying, yeah, but you know, I read that this, this, or that happens, and that a person experiences this, and so forth, none, and I didn't, so... I'm just trying to find out what is it I'm not doing. And it's like, don't do that to yourself. I'm saying that person's experience could be for so many various reasons. You know, the point of whatever your experience is needs to be simply that you're open-minded and you let it come. You cannot measure yourself by that person's experience. I mean, when we have ceremony, no doubt about it. There are places and in situations that we all share a common message or an experience in that. But like I said, we don't sit around and discuss it, and there's no trying to impress each other with just, you know, what was that, who got the most in-depth, this or that, or whatever. You know, it's just a matter that you got what what you're able to deal with, and, and at that point, whatever that is, sometimes it's just self-respect. It's just a matter of being there in just self-respect. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that, you know, there comes a point of where you're just acceptance. The acceptance is I'm here. It's now. You know, I'm doing exactly as what's needed. And everything's good. And it don't have to be about some, you know, mind-boggling revelation or some extraordinary scientific kind of situation shows up or whatever. It just is, and it's great. And then there are times, you know, because there's, especially on my part, there's no expectation. I'm there in honor of my word and that I want to be there and that the people have asked. I trust that there will be healing. I trust that there will be a difference. The ceremony always delivers. This year especially, there have been thousands of people who've made requests, and there have been thousands of informations coming in that every request was fulfilled. I just think that that's extraordinary. You know, how much do I need to take credit for? I'm not there. You know, I believe in the ceremonies. And I believe each one of us are an intricate part, a part of the thread of that blanket. So then we just allow ourselves to observe, and that seems to be the hardest thing that I'm finding people accept, that as we're looking at these changes, you know, we need to observe ourselves. Are are we seeing it in a fearful way? And if it's fear, what are you afraid of? People come back and you know, well, I'm afraid I'm going to die. Well, I can tell you are going to die. At what point and under what conditions, you know, so that be something that needs to be discussed further maybe, but there is no question the body will come to its termination. 
But, you know, how that is and what we can really do with that and how we can actually weave control of that. Those are exciting things to play with and learn along the way. And so when we do the ceremonies for all of us who actually follow this trek, it just sort of becomes a circuit of going and knowing, you know, how it all fits and each each location very much working in cooperation with the others so everybody can make full attendance. And it's just being there. And the being there means whatever. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. So basically, sometimes it's just, you know, it's like I sit afterwards in just deep appreciation and I'll do a burnt offering in expressing my deep appreciation for all that has been revealed and has shown itself. And then other times it's just the beauty of the people. You know, and I don't use just in a, a way to minimize that. It's about their, the outcome was the people. And it didn't have any other need to do anything else. And the love of that, you know, the the actual bonding of that, the interrelating of that, the connectedness of that. That's as powerful as anything else that might reveal itself that becomes part of the extraordinary. So we need to learn to be good observers and not be attached to the drama and all of the fear and everything that's in that. You know, I, I still am seeing that there are people who are looking for safe places to get on the earth. And it's like, do you understand that you already know that? That wherever you things will be as need to be for you, you'll be there. So if you just utilize the moment that you have and live it to the fullest, you know, here are people using terms like, this is on my bucket list. Well, I don't care how old you are or not. You know, if you've got a bucket list, get on it now. And at that point, just make every day accountable to that. It's all precious. It's all precious. So it's like if a thought comes up, I can pursue that through meditation or going into the imaginal and doing visualization and stuff with it. And then I can tell you that after I do that, I immediately have contact from somebody there. So, you know, I, I deal with the reality that if I am there in mind, I am there. And then I've had people actually say to me, I saw you. You know, you were, I saw you at the square, I saw you at this, or I saw that you attended the ceremony. And it's like, well, I'm not going to say you didn't. You know, I did my meditation and my altars and put myself there as far as energy and participation. But I love it when people say that, you know, I, I thought I saw you. It's like, well, I'm sure you can. You know, so it's, again, what are we open to? And I really, you know, recently the young people I was working with said, Grandmother, what is the difference between uh, mindfulness and meditation and I said well meditation for me and this is this is me you know so I want to we'll describe it to you however but when I meditate I am purely in my God place when I go into meditation I'm working on what I call altars and it means I'm working with altered states so I'm taking something from some present state that it's in and actually giving it a design or a blueprint uh, to, to changes that it can take on. And then I watch the manifestation because it's been put in placement, how that works for people and heals people when people ask me for certain things. So I do that meditation, but I also just am with the God self at that point uh, in meditation. I do a lot of just viewing and observation of the observer or the soul. So to me, meditation is always where I'm in the deeper spiritual 
thought and, and levels of interaction. Mindfulness I use all the time. Mindfulness to me means be clear of mind. You know, it's in mindfulness I put all of the clutter aside, all of the chatter and all of the noise. You know, and in mindfulness I'm observing. Usually, I won't say always because there are times in mindfulness I'm just I'm just enjoying love. I'm in a beautiful place. And, uh, you know, I love it when I'm in beautiful gardens or parts of the forest. And just, you know, I can be in a mindful place to where I'm just, I have emerged into the environment. But most of my mindfulness is uh, just allowing myself to observe uh, a bunch of matter and things that are going on and, you know, being objective about it so that I can actually sit back and in the mindful state determine that there's a situation or something that's going on. Usually it's something going on around me that I, I realize I am not giving fair time to, meaning you know there's other things happening and I've not really taken a lot of time to observe this. And so in the mindful state, I will just sit and be aware of that. And so basically what I find myself in the mindful states where I make a lot of my decisions. I become mindful of every, every circumstance and consideration that I need to be aware of. I get mindful of every player that's in the situation. I become mindful of solutions, uh, mindful of, you know, some input. And, I, and in my mindful state, I am very, very trusting and accepting that whatever I'm going to do will come from the very best I know and that someone else will show up when I need anything further from that. So I don't, you know, when a lot of people say to me, yeah, but then I don't know enough to do that. Well, then do what you do know. And trust that when it's time for further or more that's needed, there will be that that shows up to give you that. It happens for me all 100%. I mean, whatever the situation is, you have to take action on it. Because if you're sitting and worrying about it, it's never going to happen. Okay, so if you just say, okay, I know that I need to get this done. This, you know, something needs to happen here. Something needs to be done. Okay, well, here's what I know. And I begin to act on what I know. And then I, I know that I do what I, you know, I consider my God talk or prayer to where I say, okay, I'm open for the universe to bring whatever player I need from that point. I'll carry it as far as I can and there's going to have to, going to have to send somebody else in. And it always happens. There's, you know, all of the business success and other things that I, that I have experienced comes from the right person walking in at the right moment of need and taking it from there. And I just trust that. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know a way to teach you that because recently I had a young man ask me, can you teach me that? And it's like, um, <laughs> I don't know how to teach somebody that. I, I know that you have to come to a place in yourself to where you're open to it and accepting of it and, and allowing it. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to say that it's always like a glass of milk here, okay? Sometimes things will get very tedious at some point because I'm still, you know, that person hasn't come. And I realize that as I've sent out the thought, as I've sent out the pursuit of that into the magnetic field around me, that sometimes it takes its own a measure of time and space to find that person and to actually draw them to me. And I hear all kinds of supporting statements about that. I mean, I have a good 60 years of supporting statements from that where people say, I don't know how I ended up here. Have you? I'm sure all of you have had some experience at that some level. And they'll say, I don't know how I ended up here. I actually, you know, was looking at this or that, and some people say they saw an article or something showed up on Facebook, not from my Facebook, but from somebody else's that made them begin to look up something or want something or whatever. And finally, it just, you know, the magnetism of it just keeps bringing them to where finally 
they end, end up in my field. And, uh, and I meet them in extraordinary places. I've met wonderful people who I've had huge successes with in bathrooms, you know. You go into the bathroom and, you know, ladies will stand there and comb their hair and everything. And then I, I feel the need to comment on something. And when I do, it opens up the conversation. And then I find out that that person is either the person or is with the person that I'm waiting for. And sometimes it's, you know, I've bumped into them in stores looking. I, I, I have some kind of affinity with books and the written word. I have tons of books that I, I have never read or, or won't ever probably have time to read, but they're friends to me. Somebody who loved me gave me that and hoped that in some way it would be a comfort to me. So they're friends to me. So I, I keep my books as great treasures. My husband will say to me, we're going to one day need a semi if we move to put your books in, just your books, you know. And it's like, so I've been looking at that and over the last three to five years dispersing them and giving them, passing them on. But at the same time, as I do that, I, I'm very much aware of where that book came from and the love that that person had for me that wanted me to have these beautiful words of wisdom. So I treasure them. So sometimes when I go to stores, like, you know, uh, the bookstores, and some people tell me we're going to not have bookstores pretty soon because of e-books and stuff, and I hope that's not true. I love going in bookstores, and I just like walking around. The books will communicate with me, and I, you know, I'll go in there, I'll spend the whole day in the bookstore, and I don't necessarily pick any books up or buy them. It's just, I just love the books. But I'll go to the magazine rack, like I'm in a place, and, and I realize I'm working through something, and I'm, I'm needing more players. And I trust the possibility that I could find them in the magazine section. Now everybody says to me, how, how do you come to the magazine? I don't know. I can, I'm telling you that what I do is that's what I feel, okay? I trust that. And so I'll go over to the magazine rack and sometimes I hang around there 15, 20 minutes, you know? And I'll pick up a book and kind of breeze through it and stuff like that. Okay, and then I become totally aware at that point that there's somebody that's watching me, observing me, or, or pretty much interested in the same. And then we get to talking, and guess what? That's the person I've been watching for. I find them in restaurants. Um, I, I just, I'm thinking on airplanes. I find them everywhere. Actually, ev everywhere. And there's just no way that you can say that there's a coincidence, meaning it, it didn't make any sense. No, I see it as very purposeful magnetism that's drawing us together. And when I trust that, as I do, I have these successes, and the only thing I can contribute to those successes to is surely not because I know everything. It's because the universe just keeps, you know, like a patch quilt, keeps adding these players on to then you have this beautiful presentation, you know, this comfort of just wonderful patchwork that everybody contributed to finally the pattern is what it is. So over these months of travel and over these weeks of just being out there into the flow of that awareness of what life's doing, every day I have included you. Every day of my journeys, you have been with me in my heart, and you've been with me in my prayers. I word, sometimes I'm aware that you're talking to me. I'll pick up perceptive uh, messages and stuff, and then I make sure that I spend a moment and a time with that to speak to that person directly. And uh, it's all real. It's real to those who are open to let it be real. I realize that to some people, who I call straights or logical people, we probably sound pretty strange. But all in all, in the world that I live, there is great beauty in love. And as we evolve and our world is changing, that will continue to be the story. So do not get into despair and do not live in fear. 
find a peace in what you can do right now. The only guarantee any of us have is right now. And if you're doing what you really, really love doing right now, happiness is yours. Well, they're telling me that our hour's up, and I'm going to have to scoot along here, but it's good to be back in flow with you and taking you through the various trips and journeys of the many places I've been. So this is Parisha, and this is Windows in Your Mind. Let us open a few of those windows and explore what's outside them together. You have a wonderful and fantastic week. Well, okay, it's that time of being complete again and going forward to assimilate and use what we've shared and learned. It's with love of humanity that I serve, and it's always good when you're with me. I value in your time. So I say to you, Olama Aliyaha, we are family. Walk in beauty upon the great Mother Earth and be the blessing that you are. I send you my hugs and kisses on the breeze and in the sun. Beloveds, I am always with you. Have a wonder-filled week and celebrate all good things. For those of you who want to keep in touch through Facebook, remember that it's www.facebook.com. C-O-M slash forward and it's V-E-N period P-A period R-I-S period H-A and make sure that you share what you want to say and come on to the program. Remember as of August we will be actually going live and you'll begin to really talk back to me and share your stuff and I look so forward to that. So until then Know we are blessed. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com. Thank you for listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. This is RJ Banks from LOAAffirmations.com with another I Am Inspiration. A while back, I was asked if the Law of Attraction could be used to manipulate a person and make them fall in love with you. And my answer to her was no, as this would or could otherwise be classified as a spell or a curse, depending on how the relationship went. Anyway, I told her that it is common to fantasize about a specific person, but this often turns into disappointment and is really unfair to both you and the person that you place in the starring role. I did, however, let her know that she can attract the type of relationship and mate that she desires. I told her by truly knowing in your heart what you desire in a partner, you can ask your higher source to bring a companion that you have a high vibrational match with into your life. Then, have faith knowing that when the time is right, the match will be made. I also told her that if the guy that she's currently head over heels with was the one, then it shall come to pass. If not, when the time is right, the proverbial Mr. Right will come into her life. She then went to work on clarifying her desires in a mate and a relationship, and I helped her write some affirmations, such as, I am now attracting the perfect companion who is on the same vibrational plane as me and is desiring to attract me. About three months later, I got an email from her thanking me and telling me all about her new totally awesome boyfriend. Now, if you're seeking your Mr. or Mrs. Wright, follow suit and take a close look at the type of mate and relationship you desire. And then, take a closer look at yourself and ask yourself if you are the matchmate in heaven partner for the type of person that you're desiring to attract. Remember, like attracts like, and we are and attract into our lives what we think, say, and believe about ourselves and our perceived reality. Thanks again for listening, and we're so grateful that you're part of our LOA family. For more downloadable Law of Attraction audio affirmations, please visit LOAaffirmations.com. And always keep it right here on the Law of Attraction radio network.
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac Wayne heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom! Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.